Okay, I won't. I won't. I don't want to gross people out. Come to me after. <laughs> so, yeah, what's up? My name is Brittany. Um, thank you so much. Um, Sam Jam Yarns. Look her up on Instagram. She's really great. <laughs> so, uh, my name is Brittany. I am the young adult director here at Revelry Church, which is so weird to say, but that's that's me. Uh, but we have, we have some really uh, awesome things coming up this week. We have our Linner Dunch. I just can't think of what I want to do. Dunch. We have Dunch. So it says lunch, but you know, you know what it is. 2 p.m. There's the address right there. It's just going to be really awesome to have just community and just hang out with you guys. Uh, Carolyn's awesome. She's really excited to have us over. And there is actually, just so she knows how much food to make, it would really help her out if you could, if you are coming or interested in coming, there is a sign-up sheet, like, by the cookie table, actually on the cookie table, and if you could sign that and say, like, you're coming, and also if you need a ride, just say, like, I need a ride, because uh, we're going to be doing carpool at Commonplace, and also just check our Instagram, because we're going to have stuff on there. Also, we have house parties this week, Thursday, 7 p.m., and what's really fun is it actually is a house party. It's at someone's house they're hosting. And I think it's going to be amazing. I'm really excited. We, so we have this one. This is the address for the young adult one. Yes. Yes. And also there's another one called Starting Point. And so if you're kind of like new to the faith or let's, you just have some questions, that's a really great one um, to go to. It's going to be at Nick Carey's house. It's going to be really lit. And is Ryan here? I didn't see him. Okay, great. Well, so <laughs> we're going to actually perhaps start a paintball team. So if you're interested in that, come and see me after, and I can kind of send it over. Yeah, it's pretty cool, honestly. Yeah, I feel like it does hurt because it's like, it, you, like, get sh shot at with, I don't know. I've, I've heard it hurts. Just, just a warning. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm going to pray. Love you, though. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for every single person in this room, God. Uh, I just pray that you help me tonight just to paint a picture of who you are and your love and your grace and just... Um, just use me as a mouthpiece tonight, God. Just speak through me. Uh, I just pray that everyone has an open heart to receive your message tonight. You're awesome. Amen. Amen. All right. So do y'all have, like, any fears? Electricity? Word. Heights. Drowning. That's actually terrifying. <laughs> so I have a lot of fears. Most, like, some of them are rational, but, like, most of my fears are definitely irrational. Um, like, people definitely laugh at me for having them, but, so I'm going to share them with you. I'm going to get very vulnerable today, okay? And so, I know, right? So, my first fear that I have is I am terrified of clowns, and the reason why, <laughs> ah, I hate it. <laughs> 
The reason why I'm terrified of clowns is because when I was like six years old, my brother uh, made me watch It, like the OG one. And even though you watch that now and you're like, that is not scary, it was terrifying. I am traumatized. Your girl can't even look at the cover of that movie. Like, I, I freak out. I'm, I'm terrified. Um, another fear that I have is I'm terrified of dolls, um, especially porcelain dolls. So, like, my mom and... I hate it. Um, my mom and everyone in my family, for some reason, thought because I'm a girl, I'm supposed to love dolls. And so they had this like big shelf right next to my bed, and they were all porcelain dolls. And I would literally say, like, I am terrified of dolls. Please do not buy them for me. And I would turn their heads, like, or not their heads, but like their bodies, I would turn their bodies around because I didn't want them to look at me because I just had a feeling that while I was sleeping, they were just like, like, you know what I mean? Like, out of the movies. So, like, I hate dolls. Not a fan. I hope I don't have children and specifically daughters for that reason because I will freak out. Um, another fear I have, um, I'll just tell the story first because I feel like you guys are going to judge me. Okay, so <laughs> I didn't grow up in church, but I went to church when I was little. Uh, before my parents divorced, we went, like, three times a week. It was legit. And uh, I remember the one week... I don't remember how young I was, but I was pretty young, maybe like a toddler age. And the one week I was not in kids' church, I was in the normal service. And I remember sitting there and like not really paying attention, obviously. I was like coloring or something. And I just hear the pastor say, the devil can be in anyone. He could be in you. He could be in this. He could be in caterpillars. And like literally all I heard was, the devil's in caterpillars. Oh my gosh! And like, literally, I was terrified of caterpillars. Like, anytime like one of those Johns came past me, I was like, like, get away from me. I hated caterpillars. That's so creepy. But now I know that the devil is not in caterpillars, but it's still like a mental thing. Because even when I was in high school, I was like taking my stuff out of the dryer and something like bit me or stung me and I look in and it was a caterpillar and I was like yo the devil is out to get me with all these caterpillars like they're everywhere not to die stuck in like you know and but it's true like we all have fears and whether they're rational or irrational sometimes it's really hard to see past our fear. You know, like, you want to go on that roller coaster, but you're terrified, and your friends are like, come on, like, it's not that bad. And you're like, yo, I'm going to die. Like, it's going to happen. I've watched Final Destination. I'm going to die. You know, and so, and I think that's the same for any kind of, God bless you. I think that's the same for any kind of just struggle or battle or season or any time of, like, pain that we're in. It's really hard for us to kind of see past that pain. And even if you're a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, it doesn't mean that your life is perfect. You still have battles. You still have struggles. You still have pain. And sometimes, a lot of times, it's hard to see Jesus through that pain. It's hard to come to church sometimes, and it's hard to raise your hand sometimes because you're just like, dude, I literally don't feel anything but pain. I don't want to be here. 
I just don't see it getting any better. And there's a group of people in the Bible called the Israelites, and like honestly, they they go through it. Like they go through some stuff. Like I don't know <laughs> how they do it, but like you know when you talk to someone and they've just like honestly had a rough life and you're just like, dude, like how are you here? Like wow, I don't I don't even know what to say to you um to make it better. But then you have also the people who have had a rough life and they're like, it's all good. Praise God. And you're like, dude, who are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> who are you? Like, and you start to be like, I don't, how can, how can I be like that, you know? But I want to be, I want us to, to be like that. I want us to have a, a posture of praise. You know, even though we might have, be going through stuff, you know, going through finals or maybe some family issues, I just want us to always remember how good Jesus is. And so last week we talked about Abraham, and we're in this story time. So I kind of want to like, because we're, that was in Genesis, today we're in Exodus. So I'm going to kind of like do a little like Sir Mix a lot, kind of like leapfrog, Brit's notes. Okay, so <laughs> what? <laughs> Brainy Hood version. So pretty much we left off. Last week was about Abraham. God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Then they had Isaac, right? So then Isaac had two sons, Jacob, Esau. Esau was older. He was super hairy. And then he actually gave up his birthright for like some soup because he was hungry. And so Jacob got blessed. And so Jacob went off, had like a ton of kids. One of them got sold off into slavery into Egypt. And then the rest were like, Murph, over here. And then there was a big famine. And so they were like, oop, got to go to Egypt. And so they all went to Egypt. And then the, his one brother was like, which was Joseph, was like, hey, y'all sold me into slavery, but it's all good. Like, I forgive you. And so then they were all dandy. Then everyone died. So it's like 400 years later down the road because like Joseph was like all up like friends posse with Pharaoh and he was like cool with them being there. Like he's like, I'm good with Israelites. Y'all mad dope. It's good. Well, then that Pharaoh like died. So we're like 400 years later and this Pharaoh is like, yo, I'm not about these Israelites because God made that promise that there would be, like, a million of descendants and all that jazz. So he was, like, working on it. Like, they were being super fruitful. Like, they were getting busy, okay? So there were a ton of them. And this pharaoh was like, nah, we're not doing this. There's way too many Israelites. we just going to kill them. So let's just do it, like, a decent way. Let's just kill all the baby boys, right? Yeah, let's just throw them in the Nile. Like, it's going to be great. It's a good plan. And so one of these babies gets spared, and his name is Moses, Mo for short, okay? And he ends up in the crib of the Pharaoh, and then he, like, grows up, he gets older, and then he, like, kills an Egyptian, Ooh. and then he flees off, and then God's like, yo, Moses, yeah, I'm going to, like, use you as my mouthpiece, and, like, you're going to, like, 
free my people because they're like in slavery. So I'm going to use you. And he's like, but dog, like I got a stutter. I can't talk. Like it's just not going to work out. And God's like, yeah, it will. It'd be great. And he's like, nah, it won't. And he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to have Aaron, your brother. He's going to talk for you. And he's like, okay, great. And then they like go over and they go back <laughs> to Egypt. And then they're like, let our people go. And he's like, nah. And then they're like, oh, we're just going to like, God's going to just give you a bunch of plagues. And he's like, yeah, right. And then he does and just goes back and forth. And then Pharaoh's like, I'm sorry, please pray for me. And then it goes away. And then like, and he's like, just kidding, you're not leaving. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he just like goes back and forth and back and forth. Finally, they flee. And during this time of all the plagues and they see all these miracles and like crazy things happen with like frogs and gnats and like people are dying. And uh, so God, Moses had this staff and he would use his staff to perform miracles. Like he turned into a snake and he like, Later on, he'll, like, hit a rock, and, like, water will come out of it. So he <laughs> uses this staff, and he's like, all right, Moses, like, take it to the Red Sea. I'm going to part it, and then y'all are going to flee. And then all the Egyptians that come after you, they're going to drown. It's going to be sick. <laughs> and so <laughs> they're, like, they're like, all right, let's just be still, but let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> and they're out there, and then all the Egyptians drown. So that's where we're at. <laughs> we're in Exodus and they ended up, you know, they went through they fled, which is the word that I was going to say they were they fleed. <laughs> they fleed F L E E D not a, I don't think that's a word. They fled. And so <laughs> right before what we're going to read is that when they were all thirsty and they're like, Mo, yo, you said God was going to provide. We thirsty. And so he, like, hit that rock, and then the water came out, and it was super dope. So right now, we're going to go to Exodus 17, 8 through 16. If you don't got a Bible, we got a floating Bible. Super legit. Okay. So the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. In Rephidim, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and sat him on it. Aaron and Hur held up his, hand, held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua came to the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be, to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar, called it the Lord is my banner. He said, because, my, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Sorry, I'm dyslexic. So that was interesting. But <laughs> pretty much 
what had happened was, this is really interesting, it's a fun fact, but the Amalekites are actually descendants of Esau. Remember that like one brother from like the beginning? And like the Israelites are descendants of Jacob. So fun facts, brothers at war. I thought that was interesting. I just found that while I was studying. That was for free. <laughs> so Moses has his like posse, like he has like Aaron, his brother, we talked about him, and then her. And then there's this guy named Joshua. And that's kind of like his right-hand man, like kind of like my Kirsten, like Kirsten's like my assistant, if you didn't know. She's actually like the president of like the student organization of Rebel. I don't know if you knew that, but literally if I need anything done, I'm like, yo, Kirsten, you want to do that? You're great. Love ya. <laughs> so he goes to tell him, hey, you're going to fight the Amalekites tomorrow, just so you know. It's going to be great. I'm going to go up on this hill. And I'm going to take Aaron, and I'm going to take her, and we're just going to go up there, and you guys can do what you do. And Joshua's like, okay, great. And they, you know, go at war, and Moses takes this staff, and he holds it above his head like so. And then <laughs> you have to keep in mind, like, this dude is, like, in his 80s at this point. So, like, your girl has a hard time praying for people. Like, you know, like, when you, like, hold your hand up, like, they're like, hey, like, as if you're a part in this prayer and it, it's okay, like, hold up your hand. <laughs> like, I feel like in a minute I'm like, oh, I'm struggling. <laughs> like, I'm like, yo. Or, like, they're like, can you pray for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure, let me put my hand on you. And I have to, like, get a, a secure spot. Like, I have to, like, go, like, like this it, or not, like, my arm just, like, starts... <laughs> And that would just be weird, you know what I mean? And so he's like holding his staff up, which is interesting because Bathier is calling me. I already know it. Anyways, you ever get those spam calls? And you're it's always Bathier. What is in Bathier? Is that a real place? Anyways, so Moses is holding this staff up, which is just honestly representing the miracles that God had performed and how God had been so faithful. And he's holding up this staff during this battle. And it's honestly just a sign of praise. It's a sign of worship. It's a sign of surrender. It's a, sur it's a sign of, God, we need you. Like, this is all you. And so when his arms start to go down a little bit, the Amalekites start to start winning the battle. But as long as his arms stay up, the Israelites are winning. Then he starts to get tired because he's old, and that would be really hard. And so <laughs> he got his crew with him, and they put a stone underneath him, and then by the end, one of them are holding each arm. But he has his hands up till the sun goes down, and the Israelites win. And then at the end, he has them write down, the Lord is my banner. And so not only is he depending on God to win this war for him, but he's also like, yeah, you get to praise God. We might have been the bodies on this earth fighting this war, but it was all you. And so you're going to get the praise you're going to get you're going to be glorified it's a posture of praise and i want us to have 
a posture of praise. And so what does that mean? Well, like think of like the word posture. Like, I don't know if you guys like have good posture. I have terrible posture. Like I have to, I feel like now that I have like, I like work full time. I have like a serious job. Like I have to be professional. And so I try to like sit with good posture and I like never do. But like you think about it, if you have good posture, it like has many benefits. Like, but if you have terrible posture when you sit, you start to have all these like health issues, like back issues, neck, shoulder pain, just like a lot of things can be corrected with good posture. And if you don't have good posture growing up, it's a lot harder to, you know, get good posture, but you can always learn to get good posture and reap the benefits. And so that's posture, but what is praise? What are ways that we can praise? And so like a lot of people obviously think like worship. Worship is the way that we praise. Raising our hands, just like Moses did. God, this is all you. I'm, I'm surrendering it all. I'm praising you right now. Giving, that means tithing or being generous. That is a response of faith to what the message of Jesus is. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting my trust in you. And I'm going to give it all to you. And you're going to be glorified in the end. That's another thing, giving it all to him. He gets the credit. Using gifts that he has given you to glorify him. So let's say that you are a singer and you're like, oh, great, I'll do the worship team. Like that is using the gifts he has given you to glorify him. Let's say you want to do something work-wise, but you can't get it, so you're in something else, and you're not really feeling it. Trying your best during that job is glorifying God. And so I want us to, everything that we do, step into it, glorifying God, saying, okay, this may be hard, this may be difficult, but I'm just going to do it for you, God. And if, honestly, if I can just touch someone today and, like, give, like, make them smile or, like, just give them some positivity, just honestly, God, let your, like, let who you are just radiate through me, like, that is glorifying God. Like, you opening the door for someone, being kind to someone, that is glorifying God. But we do have struggles. We do have battles, like I said before. I just want to clarify that the ultimate battle, the ultimate war has already been won. Um, God is so much greater, um, and he defeated the devil when Jesus went on that cross, not only on that cross, but when he died and then rose three days later, when he came back to life. <laughs> Satan has already been defeated. We're not talking about that particularly right now. I'm talking about the kind of daily struggles that we might go through and pain that we might go through and how do we get through that? And how do we have a posture of praise through those struggles? And so the first one that we're going to go over is to enter with thanksgiving and be expectant. And so in Psalm 104, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Then when it goes to being expectant, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe it, 
Then you have received it, and it will be yours. And so we, when we pray, I mean, honestly, I have this kind of habit sometimes of like pleading with God, like, God, please, I, I need this, I need this, and just pleading with him when in reality God wants to bless you. He does. And I truly believe, and it says in Scripture, that when we are expectant, when we believe, when we have that faith, and sometimes we honestly don't, but when we say those words out loud, your words have so much power. And so when you speak that over your life, God, this is so hard right now. I cannot see anything through this pain, but I know that you're good, and I know that you're faithful, and that you're going to help me in this circumstance right now. There's been times that I have literally been on my knees bawling my eyes out because I did not have enough money for a bill. And I'm like, God, I know you're going to be faithful. I know that you're going to get me through this. And I've heard so many stories about other people who have said those prayers and God has provided even when it seemed impossible. The next one is fix your eyes on Jesus. This is honestly like Christianese at some, do you guys ever heard someone say, just fix your eyes on Jesus? Oh, you're struggling? Just have faith. It'll be great. Just focus on Jesus. And you're like, okay, first off, (laughs) who are you to tell me I don't have faith? You're not in my circumstance. (laughs) Second off, Who the heck are you? And what does fix your eyes on Jesus even mean? (laughs) And so I, what I, because I remember I heard a sermon and I was like, yes, like I love that. But I realized like, I don't even know what that means. Like it sounds really good. But what does that mean? And so I just think of when you fix your eyes on something, like I'm staring, I'm having a staring contest with Maddie right now. I'm fixing, that's so creepy, I'm fixing my eyes on her. If I look away, I am not fixing my eyes on her. And so, Jake's giving me the eyebrows. (laughs) But I like to think of that as we, day to day, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We're focused on Jesus, even though we have a ton of things going on. So when Moses was up on that hill, he had his eyes fixed on God. He was focused. He was so focused on keeping his arms up, knowing that only God was going to get them through it. He was fixing his eyes on that. And so how do we do that, though? I think fixing your eyes on Jesus means going to him. Going to him casting all your cares on him, all your anxieties on him. When you're struggling, going to him and not to something else, and this is not to guilt you or anything like that. I know myself, I've struggled with that too. But he's the only person, only thing that can satisfy you. And honestly, he's the only one that can help you. I can be here for you. I can listen to you. I can help to guide you. But in the end, Jesus is the only person that can help you. Alcohol will not help you. 
putting things off is not going to help you. <laughs> Drugs is not going to help you. Your diet, even though it may benefit your health, obsessing over it is not going to help you. Jesus is going to help you. And so focusing on him, I mean, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I know myself, when I focus on Jesus, when I'm in community with y'all, when I'm going to a small group, when I'm in communication with Jesus, if I'm in my word, I'm doing so much better than when I kind of just like, you know, like months later, I just like literally look around and think, what is going on with my life? <laughs> like, you, sorry if I just spit on you. <laughs> you're like looking, you're like looking around, and you're like, what happened? Like, when did that happen? Like, why is everything turning to crap? And then I like go to one of my friends, like Holly, and it's like, well, like, what have you been doing? I'm like, dude, I've totally been hanging out by myself. I haven't been going to small group. I haven't, like, I've literally been isolating myself. I have, I took my eyes off of Jesus. And that's kind of how Moses was when his arms were going down. They were losing. When he kept his arms up, they were winning. Another thing that people tend to do is sometimes focus a lot on the devil, thinking they're focusing on Jesus. So again, I, and a lot of people in here will remember, I used to literally always say, not today, Satan, not today. Not today, Satan. No, not today. Not in my health. You don't. No, no, no. Not Satan. No. But I realized a lot of stuff was going on in my life during that time, a lot of spiritual weird things. And I realized that I really was giving the enemy a lot of authority in my life. And I stopped mentioning Jesus. And even if I did mention Jesus, I made Satan to be so much bigger than he actually is. See, you can give things authority that aren't purpose to have authority. Because God is so, so big. We have a big, big God and a little tiny devil, and he's literally on a leash. He does not have authority, but you can give him authority. So instead of saying, not today, Satan, just say, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Your words have so much power, and the name of Jesus has so much power. So when in doubt, just say, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. The next one is squad up. Squaw. <laughs> we see that. Squaw. I love that. Anyways, so get yourself a squad. So when Moses went up on the hill, he brought Aaron and he brought her. I love her. It's like H-U-R. Her. <laughs> I just think of that song, up in her, up in her. <laughs> so inappropriate. <laughs> but he brought his crew with him. And honestly, if they weren't up there, I think that God would have provided still. He would have gave Moses strength. But I think them being up there represents 
that we're here for each other. You need community. You need to be around the people in this room. You need to have a squad. You need to have people that are going to lift you up when all you hear is darkness and they speak truth to you. They speak light to you. They remind you of who you are are because sometimes you get so caught up in all of these lies that you forget about truth you forget about Jesus personally I have a lot of friends who will point literally call me out what up Holly Davis and just be like yo you're like literally we've had talks where we have we build each other up and we have to remind each other who we are who Jesus says we are so Get a crew, get get a squad, get in small group, volunteer. I mean, honestly, serving helps so much because you just have so much community. I walked in here, a complete stranger, did not know anyone, and I walked out with a family. And just people, people here love you so much. I know that's so weird because you're like, I might have just started coming here and these people are super weird. Like, they're, like, really nice, and they, like, ask me how I'm doing, but, like, actually care? Like, that's so weird. <laughs> I'm not used to that. <laughs> but this is a community that wants to be there for you. We want to hold your arm up. We want to be there for you. But in the end, it's Jesus. Just remember that. So that means not only having your crew there, but also relying on Jesus and not those people, even though they're awesome and it's great to have them there and you can talk to them and they can be there with you and, and do life with you. It's, it's, all, it's only Jesus who can really, really help you. But having that crew just to like help each other, build each other up and just keep your eyes, again, fixed on Jesus. Last one. Remember what he has done. So when it's, when you're really struggling, when literally, it, I've been there. Like you have so much pain, you can barely move. Just remember what he's done. What he's done in the past. I know myself, sometimes I get a huge wake-up call because I forget what God has brought me out of. And I was driving here tonight and thinking that, oh, my gosh, a lot of these people don't even know, like, my story. And it's super, super long. But I will just kind of let you know that I didn't get saved in church. I got saved in my bathroom on the floor ODing. I literally tried to take my life. And I got really scared. And I cried out to Jesus. And he came. And I felt his spirit literally so rich, so powerful, more than I've ever experienced it in my life, and I felt nothing but love. His love is reckless. He will go places that you wouldn't think Jesus would go because he's perfect, but he will step into your mess, no matter how messy, no matter how dirty, no matter how wrong, no matter how sinful. He's there, and he's already there. He honestly is waiting for you to turn to him in your mess because he gives you free will. He's not that kind of forceful, forceful God. He genuinely loves you and he cares about you. And so he's waiting on you sometimes to just say, God, I need you. And he's like, 
son, daughter, I've been waiting a long time for you to say that to me. And then you just change. You start to feel how loved you are. He wants to pull you out of those struggles, guys. Even if you say, hey, I've already, I've already accepted Jesus, but I mean, sometimes, like, can he still, can he still come in my mess? Can he still change things that maybe I'm struggling with, maybe I'm dealing with? Yeah, yeah. There's power in his name, and he's literally just waiting for you to invite him into it. He loves you. He wants to be there in the battle with you. Let's just close our eyes. Have a moment of privacy. Now, if you have never accepted Jesus, if you never invited him in, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. He's been waiting all your life for you to turn to him. He's been there this whole time, just waiting on you, crying with you, feeling your pain. He felt your pain on the cross. They took his life. And then he rose from the grave for you so that you could have a relationship with him and he could live inside of you. You could have unlimited access to him whenever. And so if you want to you wanna make that decision tonight to turn to him, accept him, invite him into your life, even if it's a mess, <laughs> 